J.M. in the A.M. Monday. Well, he says that we've been on his mind, and I know that he's been on our mind, and we were not able to speak with him Friday morning because we allowed him to. We allowed him. We encouraged him to keep uh, barbecuing in a Jerusalem forest with his family. He is, of course, Yishai Fleischer, who is a noted journalist, radio host in Israel, and um, I am proud to say a very close friend of this radio show. We try to check in. At least once every day with somebody in Israel during these times, and uh, today I guess we would say it's his turn. By the way, before I formally introduce Yishai, a warning to our audience: if you are um, if you are hesitant to become positive about the present and future of the Jewish people, you may want to tune out because when Yishai Fleischer speaks, there is uh, no way to avoid his uh, infectious attitude about the future of the Jewish people, even during these trying times. Yishai Fleischer, my friend, Shana Tova to you. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Shana Tova, good chorus, good winter. It's good to hear from you, Nachum. I greatly appreciate it. What can you tell us first about today, today in Jerusalem, today in Israel in general, then we'll speak about what's been happening over the last couple of weeks. Well, let me start off by telling you about yesterday. Yesterday... I wanted to buy uh, some new uh, Torah books, some new Sfarim, and I went to the uh, Shmuel and Navi area, uh, Haredi area, ultra-Orthodox area of uh, Yerushalayim, and I went to this great big bookstore there that uh, everybody goes to now, on the corner of uh, Bar- the Barilan intersection, and um, right in front of the store, with, with every single safer you could ever imagine, uh, there were some young Jews, uh, black hat-wearing uh, young Jews, who were selling self-defense weapons. They were selling uh, guns. It looked like guns, but it's actually a pepper spray a gun. It's just shaped as a gun, but it shoots out pepper spray. And they were also uh, selling uh, these, like, shockers or taser guns that are legal. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I actually got tremendously inspired from this, from this site. Some people may think, wow, that's so sad. Jews are living in fear. And I think it's quite the opposite. I think that Jews uh, are living in strength. We are empowered. Uh, the different sectors in Israel are empowered to, to push back on this jihad against us. And we're being attacked. But we're also arming ourselves and preparing ourselves as spiritually and physically in order to keep fighting this battle. And when I saw this, this image of these young people selling and everybody wanted to buy, what I saw was a healthy people, a strong people, a strong nation that wasn't about to lie down and let the jihad steamroll uh, over Israel as it has steamed over, over other places. No, we're going to push back. We're going to fight back. And as I'm walking around Yerushalayim right now, I didn't expect your phone call, and as I'm walking around Yerushalayim now, I just see tons of people out, I see tons of young students, you know, and the atmosphere is, is certainly not cowed or broken uh, or, or afraid. It's concerned, there's a danger, there's definitely a hate against Jews, and there's definitely, uh, uh, you know, a deep Nazi-like ideology that has infected uh, some of our Arab cousins that have fallen prey to the, you know, jihad ideology. Uh, but on the whole, you know, Yerushalayim is strong and Am Israel is strong. Uh, that being said, we are under real attack, and yesterday was a very brazen attack uh, where, uh, I don't know what the latest scoop is, was it about one or two terrorists who came in uh, and, you know, knifed a soldier, took a gun, started shooting, and uh, this was in Tachanam, the central bus station of uh, Be'er Sheva, and uh, was, was uh, you know, certainly a, a, a soldier has been killed. Yeah. And that, uh, you know, it's, it's a sad thing in Israel when, when any of our 
uh, brothers and sisters are, are murdered in, in such a brazen way just because they're Jewish. Yes, we, we mourn, uh, but we are stealing ourselves. We are getting strong here to push back. And basically, the nation of Israel is not giving into the jihad that wants to not only do these evil acts, but also show the images and make sure that we're terrorized. And my one message, Nachum, to all your listeners, is that the one victory that I want you to make sure that you deny to the terrorists is don't let them terrify you, don't let them terrorize you, don't let fear set into your heart. That would be a great victory to them. And we have to do everything, not only to beat them physically, but also not to let their fear tactics get into our hearts. Yeah, well, from your from your mouth to maybe some of the ears of... Of well, I got to be careful because I don't I don't want to criticize the way other people uh, deal with their own families in this situation, especially from so many thousands of miles away. But um, uh, by the way, the name of the sergeant uh, murdered in that attack, uh, Sergeant Omri Levy, and as you said, of course, every time a soldier or anybody in Israel is a victim of terror and one who's murdered, uh, we mourn for them. But as you just said, there is uh, there is reason to go forward and reason to hope. On Friday, you said to me, and I quoted you later in the show, uh, on Friday you said to me that uh, people were walking around Jerusalem with a certain defiance. Defiance to me means a positive attitude, means a strong attitude, means that uh, it means an atmosphere of, uh, of strength. Uh, is that what you're picking up from most people at this point? Nachum, in one day in Auschwitz, during the height of, of, uh, of the Holocaust, of the Shoah, more Jews were being murdered than in all of the wars of Israel and all the terror wars. We're, we're living in a time today where Jewish people are empowered. We're not living in a time where uh, anti- anti-Semitism is gone. That's still very much in the scene. But what's changed is that Jewish people are definitely empowered. And they're, they're absolutely defiant. You know, we have seen... You know, we live in a, in a video era where, where people, the minute something happens, people take out their phone and they start filming and that makes the news. So we've seen some absolutely horrific, you know, uh, kind of as a joking thing, I call it jihad zombies. You know, we've seen these, like, zombie-like attacks that just don't stop. We've seen some hor- horrific things. But we've also seen Jews responding, shooting back, kicking, fighting, using umbrellas. There was a picture that was sent around of, a, again, a Haredi lady, ultra-Orthodox lady, carrying a rolling pin in her purse. Uh, and uh, and this is an incredible, you know, this is what I mean by defiance. We're absolutely not letting them break us or, or stop us or stop us from having children or teaching our children. Uh, that is definitely not at all the atmosphere here in Israel. And, and I want to tell you a quick little story. You know, my grandfather, who survived the Holocaust really by running away from Poland, uh, to Russia, he came from a town called Ostrovitz or Ostrovtsa. And this town had a famous uh, tzaddik, Mary Yechilmi Ostrovtsa, and he was very weak physically because he had been fasting for many years. He foresaw the Holocaust coming, and he was trying to get rid of the Xera by fasting. He was very skinny, very sickly, and, uh, and it's well known that he, he had to lay under many blankets a lot of time, and he was also a big uh, genius in Torah. Anyway, one day he heard that uh, the pogrom, you know, a big mob was coming to, to, to kill the Jews of the town of Osterwitz, and he got out of his bed, and he took like a small, like, pitchfork, like a small, uh, uh, you know, shovel, a small one, and he, and he kind of took it in his trembling hands, and he, st- and he turned on the light in front of his door, and he just stood there. And the other Jews of the town did the same thing. They, they took whatever they had, a fork, and they stood in front of their houses, 
signaling they're ready to fight. And, and when the pogrom, when the mob came, they saw the Jews ready for fight, they just turned around and they left. Uh, that's exactly what I mean by defiance. There's a defiant attitude here in Yerushalayim and in Eretz Israel in general. And also, frankly, a, a bit of a, you know, an atmosphere of, look, we've been through this before, and we've been victorious in the end. We've been victorious in the end. Furthermore, you really have to ask yourself, you have to ask the jihad, what it is that they exactly intend on doing. Because it is obvious that they weren't able to get rid of us with their big armies when they had a big Syrian army and a big Egyptian army. So now with their small, you know, terrorist armies, they're going to you know, undermine the stability of the state of Israel. It's, it's, a, it's a joke. It's, it's just a joke. It's not going to happen. I ask them this. I say to them, you've been fighting with us for so long. When you started fighting with us, we were 600,000 Jews. Now we're 6 million Jews in Eretz Israel. So where exactly do you think you're, you're going with this? You're not going anywhere. It is, it is the jihad that's going to be destroyed in Eretz Israel and, and, the, and the state of Israel, you know, on the land of Israel and the people of Israel and the Torah of Israel. Yeah. Is, you know, is, is in an upswing and certainly not going to be destroyed by this, uh, by this, uh, you know, jihadist effort. Yishai Fleischer with us from Israel. You mentioned forks and, and knives and rolling pins and whatever else uh, may have been used by Jews in the story that you, that you told, um, uh, regarding the pogrom and how the enemy turned away. Some might, and again, I hesitate sometimes to do this, but just from the point of analysis, because I'm so many thousands of miles away, it's probably unfair, but you're there on the spot, so you could offer an opinion. Some might uh, suggest that the government of Israel is not pulling out enough forks, is not standing in front of enough doors, uh, showing that they, as a security force, is tough enough to convince the enemy to, um, to disperse. Uh, in fact, it's interesting to hear about specific episodes. You mentioned that there are you know, different stories that are going around. There are a couple of stories going around about you know, people who are ready to be attacked by a mob and they simply shoot one bullet in the air and all of a sudden everyone's gone. And it just seems like the government of Israel is not ready to take some of those steps to quell the entire situation. What's your reaction to that? Well, that, that I, I mean... You're raising a much bigger issue. You're right that before we were talking about specifically the attitude of people. But when it comes to the attitude of, of governments, uh, we have been very soft on allowing the jihadist ideology to, to, to swell in our midst. And we've allowed uh, jihadist education to be part of the agenda in schools. Uh, we've allowed the minarets. To blare Allah Akbar, which is code for something much worse than God is great, and uh, we've allowed uh, criminal uh, ideologues to, like uh, like Rad Salah from the, uh, the Muslim Front in the north, to continue to you know not not be incarcerated or imprisoned. So we've allowed this to to to, to fester, and now to put the the jihad genie back into the bottle is not a simple thing. It's not a simple thing, and Israel is, as a country, is always balancing. Also, it's it's uh, kind of the other side of the things that I was saying. Also, it's it's democratic ideals and it's liberal ideals, which we value and cherish. But the question is, at this time, you know, isn't it right to set aside some of those values and, and to realize that that we have a, a real enemy within the within us, a real you know fifth column, and force Arabs to decide whether they're going to be either loyal citizens of the state of Israel, or loyal to the jihad, and, and therefore let it be clear that we're at war. And, and I think the state of Israel is loath to 
push that issue too far. Um, you know, it's a bigger question of whether Israel is a Jewish state and an ethnic state. Certainly I see it as being a Jewish state and an ethnic state. But other people have kind of more Western ideals of it being really a state of all of its citizens. And uh, what can I tell you, Nachum? We're in a bit of, uh, of a state of ambiguity. We're in a bit of a state of, um, uh, you know, having two feelings at the same time. Right. And, and so, therefore, we don't go all the way. We don't, we don't beat them down all the way. We don't, we don't uproot them, as we did not uproot uh, Hamas in the, in the last Gaza war. We, the tendency of the government and the police is to try to quiet the situation and try to make the situation, you know, palatable, but not to totally uh, d- destroy the enemy. And so they rise up again. Here in Israel, we call it Tikul Shorish, that there isn't, you know, a, a root canal being done to actually, un- uh, you know, uh, to, to, to uproot the terrorist ideology and, and those who would commit it. Uh, there's not enough arrests being made, and yet there's a lot of arrests being made. Um, so, so this is a conflict in Israel, really, and, and it's also a political conflict. Don't forget, we're coming out of the, the Oslo period. We're still you know, coming out of it where really there was a completely different idea. There would be two states living side by side, and that all, all the Arabs really wanted was, was their rights to, 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 to live in their country next to ours. Now, that ideology, starting, that, that belief, the belief that that's true, is starting to leave the scene. And more and more people, and you see also... Uh, in, in polls, and you see it in, in how politicians are voting, which is always in line with polls, you see that uh, more and more politicians are coming to the conclusion that, indeed, we're not... Th- th- those old liberal ideas, or, or, or I would call ultra-liberal ideas, about uh, the, the, the real intent of the jihad, that it just wants to live side by side, it just wants to secure rights, those are all facades. Those are facades. That wasn't the real intent whatsoever. That was that was something that we, you know, that our kind of liberal-minded uh, attitude uh, wanted to believe. It was a pipe dream. Now it's becoming clear that no, we're dealing with 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 people who do not. Here's the key: do not recognize the legitimacy of the state of Israel to yeah, exist. That's for sure. Yishai Flasher with us from Israel. Could you describe for uh, for our audience how close you live to the Temple Mount area? It's so close that uh, that um, it's in my living room window, and uh, it's so much so that it's uh, the Temple Mount is is an incredible part of my life. When I when I come home and I open the door, I don't just kick off my shoes or whatever. I have to kind of you know take a little bow, take a nod, and, and look at this this thing that's right outside my my window. And this thing is really the epicenter of the universe. You know the the, the where God reveals himself the most in the world. And there's no question that Yerushalayim is the epicenter of the battle. And within Yerushalayim, the epicenter is, of course, Har Habayit. Well, why, the why? Arabs sense correctly that their control of Har Habayit, uh, if they're able to hold on to it, they'll be able to kind of keep us on the defensive, keep us from rooting ourselves in this land. And at the same time, more and more Jews are coming to the consciousness of how central the Temple Mount is uh, in in Yiddishkeit, in, in Judaism, in the, the Judaism of, uh, of, of the return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel, the it, center of that is Yerushalayim. Is that a... There's is no that, question yeah, that is, the fight, that the, the epicenter of the fight is about Yerushalayim. Yeah, but is that is that a fact, though... Most of the terror has been in Yerushalayim. But is that a fact, though, that mo- that so many more people are coming around on this issue? It seems like the, the I don't know, the Jewish-slash-Israeli side of the issue that tries to, you know, bend over backward for the um, 
for the current, uh, for the current, um, um, jurisdiction over Harabayit. It seems to me that it keeps getting stronger and stronger. Do you really feel that the other side of the issue, those who understand and appreciate Jewish history vis-a-vis the Temple Mount, is really coming out strong at this point? You know, Nachum, um, you're right on the money when when you're asking these questions. And, and, and I, I want to give you kind of a deeper answer for a second about that, and that is that everybody, even without being able to verbalize this, and on all sides of the argument, all sense that the Temple Mount is something that's bigger than all of us and is, in a sense, power and also seeing God eyeball to eyeball. And that scares people, Nachum. It scares them. And it scares Jews. The reason that the Jewish people uh, gave up control to the Temple Mount after the Six-Day War was because it was too real for them. It was too much for them to look God too closely. We were willing to deal with, with, with secular nationalism. We were willing to hold on to our historical homeland. But the Temple Mount, ooh, it's a little too close. It hits home because it, 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 when you hold on to the Temple Mount, it asks you a question. Are you willing to change? Are you willing to, are you willing to be a godly person? So... Uh, the Jews, uh, uh, the Jewish people, have a lot of reasons why they want to stay away from the Temple Mount. Some of us think that if you walk on there, it's too holy, and and we'll start to desecrate the place. Other people think that if you mess with the uh, with the jihad on the Temple Mount, uh, you will bring on World War Three. Right. And many of us are just are just plain afraid uh, of of the of the impact that it could have on, on, on Israel, to Because everybody understands, somewhere in there, although we should be fighting just for equal rights of prayer on the Temple Mount, but beyond that, there's a realization that, that there's this third temple somewhere, and everybody, if it's the Jihad or the ultra-Orthodox or the secular, everybody's afraid of it on one level or, or another. Which is, by the way, a little bit humorous, because it's like, you know, the, when, you, when, you, when you walk on top of the Temple Mount, uh, then, then you know that you're not allowed to, you're not, you're not allowed to pray at all, uh, because the Muslims watch you, the Muslim watches you like a hawk. And I'm always laughing a little bit about that, because I'm thinking, they must be really, really afraid of our prayer. Right. <laughs> and, uh, I think, again, for, for especially for your audience, it's important to really pray for the peace of Yerushalayim now. Uh, it's important to pray for Jewish sovereignty. Uh, it's important to read up about it. I think, uh, especially the book of Zechariah, Take a look at you know what it means to to hold on to the Temple Mount. Uh, what 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 a what a kind of on the one hand a spiritual uh, the highest of spiritual places, on the other hand a kind of military fortress where where we assert our sovereignty through it. And yeah, you have you know the answer to your question is yeah. There's many people who are still very afraid of it and and have all kinds of intellectual reasons why why not to assert more sovereignty over it. In the meantime, within the heart of our capital uh, is a foreign sovereign, Jordan. Uh, which and on top of that Temple Mount is some of the worst jihadist ideology in this land. It comes directly from the place that's holiest to us. Unbelievable, unbelievable. The the irony of life and of history, huh? Just unbelievable. <laughs> Ishai Fleischer from Israel. I warned you, everybody. I warned you. You'll come out with a uh, positive message if Yishai Fleischer is invited to these airwaves. You still have tremendous hope for the future of the state of Israel and the Jewish people, right, Yishai? Absolutely, and you know you could you could see it. I, I sometimes laugh, and I'm on the verge of crying just when I see you know uh, uh, grade school kids get off a, a bus 
on a trip to the Kotel and I see the mamash, you know, tens and hundreds of them walking. You, you, you see it at the bar mitzvahs and the bat mitzvahs. Uh, you, you see it in the way people are carrying themselves in the streets of Yerushalayim right now. You, you see it certainly from where I pray Friday night on top of the Mount of Olives in the synagogue called the Choshen Building, and looking out at all Yerushalayim, you see the sun setting and Shabbos coming into Yerushalayim. You see more and more people interested in, in Yiddishkeit and Judaism and coming closer to our roots. Um, I, just, I just don't believe that God has brought us through 2,000 years of exile, through the pinnacle of the exile, which was the, which was the Holocaust, brought us to this land, helped us win miraculous wars, has, has made us so many in this land, has, has seen an economic miracle in this land with the startup nation and, and so forth, has seen such a beautiful army, and the return to Judaism, it's really, I, I would be very hard-pressed to be cynical or negative about the, the miracle times that we're living in. Unbelievable. Yishai, nothing like being inspired by you on a Monday morning. Kolakavod, my friend, what a pleasure speaking with you, and dash cham to everybody in the holy city of Jerusalem. Yerushalayim sends its love to you and your listeners. Thank you so much, Nachum. The great Yishai Fleischer. It's Monday morning at JM in the AM.